What is up, everyone? Welcome to my podcast, Legit Cool. My name is River, and uh, welcome. Welcome. I have been listening to my episodes previously, and a warm welcome to anybody who is brand new to this podcast. I review, rank, and recap movies and TV series, and today we are going to be talking about Hawkeye. This is actually the first TV series that I'll be reviewing, and I've got plenty more to come. But this is a, this is going to be an exciting one for me because, for one, I'm one of the most sweaty, if not the most sweaty MCU nerd out there. Uh, <clears throat> self-proclaimed, obviously. <laughs> um, and two, I've always really wanted to see Marvel do something with Clint Barton, aka Hawkeye. And it would have been great to see a movie of his. Probably, maybe not enough to make a movie. I don't know. I'm not a writer, so I'm not going to pretend I know how to put a movie as such together. But I am pretty damn proud to uh, to say that this mo- this TV series is amazing. And it's very good. These guys hit the ground running, and I'm so happy about it. Um, <clears throat> if you are new to this podcast, first of all, thank you, thank you so much for jumping in and showing your support and if you're coming back uh, to the podcast if you've listened to my previous episode thank you thank you for showing your consistent support it really helps my show and it's just one of the best ways that i like to express one of my dearest passions which is talking about movies and tv series so if you enjoy this show please hit the notification so you know when the next episode drops you can do that on google podcast apple podcast podbean I'm not really sure how you hit notifications for Spotify, but if anybody knows, then just throw it in the comments section under my Facebook or Instagram page or whatnot. But uh, before I before I get into this, actually, <clears throat> I do want to say this is going to be a full-on spoiler review. So if you haven't seen Hawkeye episode one, um, yeah, by the way, this is only episode one. If you haven't seen Hawkeye yet, then I'd highly suggest that you hit pause right now, come back after you've seen it, and then we we can both sort of think about it. I was going to say we can both discuss, but you'll you'll be listening to me <laughs> talk about it. But yeah, hit the pause button and come back to the episode. Uh, but if you've really seen it, then you know I'm going to just talk the entire talk about the entire episode. Um, and full-on spoilers because and there's going to be a lot of nerdy spoilers in there as well so if you're here for that really good dose of nerdy mcu information then this is the podcast for you so uh let's get into it so hawkeye marvel studios hawkeye is an original new series set in the post blip new york city um post blip is for those who cannot remember or I don't know what that is. That's the snap that Thanos done in Avengers Endgame. Actually, no, correction. (laughs) That was actually the Tony Stark snap. Oh, no, I should probably... No, it's not even the Tony Stark. What what am I saying? What kind of nerd am I? It was actually Hulk Hulk snap. Oh, jeez, gosh. (laughs) Excuse me. I'm a little sick, so you're going to have to forgive me for coughing a little bit during this episode. So it's an original TV series set in the post-blip New York City where former Avenger Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye, has a seemingly simple mission, get back to his family for Christmas. But when a threat from his past shows up, Hawkeye reluctantly teams up with the Cape Bishop, a 22-year-old skilled archer and his biggest fan, to unravel 
a criminal conspiracy. I was supposed to lay on something. <laughs> Trying to rev away criminal criminal conspiracy. Uh, this is starring Jeremy Renner, Haley Steinfeld, Verify Miga, Fra Fee, Tony Dalton, Zan McClanen. This TV series had a budget of a hundred million dollars. It is produced or is produced by Kim Feige, the legend himself, Kim Feige, Louis D. Esposito, Victoria Alonso, Chin Chan, Reese Thomas, who is also one of the showrunners slash creator of the show, and Jonathan Igla, who is also one of the creators and the showrunner. Um, this is currently doing really well in its ratings. On Rotten Tomato, right now, as, as of today, today is the 28th of November. It is a super fresh tomato, 94% from the critics and an 86% score from the audience, the average audience score. So it's doing really damn well. Um, let's get into this. I really enjoyed this. And if you enjoyed this as, as well, then you know exactly why we both enjoyed this. This is... Um, in fact, a tone that I wasn't expecting to be very good out of all honesty. When the trailers dropped earlier this year, um, it's it's very apparent um, that they're going with this kind of Home Alone, Christmas, diehard type feel. Um, and I, I, I was kind of doubtful, to be honest. I, I wasn't really digging it. I was like, oh, really? They're gonna go the whole sort of Home Alone route, <laughs> um, with uh, you know a little bit of action sprinkled in there. Um, kind of reminds me of like Die Hard or uh, Lethal Weapon or something like that. But I wasn't really convinced. Um, you know, the trailer itself was pretty good. There was nothing really wrong with the trailer um, and what they had to offer, but it was really just the tone they're going with. It's like this light, very very family orientated pg maybe even more so g i'd say uh light tone and a little bit colorful and upbeat and very positive nature to it not that that's a bad thing it's just with marvel they've never really released anything like that before they've never really released uh, a very light tone that is very dear to like your holiday specials or something like that right so i was kind of doubtful so I was, I was, <laughs> I was kind of pessimistic going into this, but um, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because most shooters just is one of the greatest shooters to ever exist, in my opinion. Um, and that produced some of the greatest content that I've ever seen with my own eyes. And so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and do what every other Marvel fan will be doing is watching it when it drops. Now, I didn't actually see it when it, dropped like on the dot you know usually us us crazy fans would be waiting for the episode to drop on the uh, on the clock um i think it actually dropped at 7 p.m and i was expecting it to drop at 5 p.m but we're actually going to the venom screening at 7 30. so when it dropped at 7 it was just out of the question couldn't watch it but as soon as i got home watched it straight away and boy oh boy i was really really happy with what i was watching I mean, even from the start, like the way they um, the way they introduced Haley Steinfeld, uh, Kate Bishop. <coughs> excuse me. The way they introduced Kate Bishop, um, she's 
you know, she's she's young. She's probably like, I'm going to guess 14 years old or something like that. This is 2012. And as soon as the 2012 logo comes up, I'm like, oh, I'm in there. I'm in. I'm here. I'm here to stay. Let's go. Show me what you got. Because everybody should know that 2012 was the major New York battle, uh, the first Avengers movie. Um, so that was huge. I was like, wow, this is, this is going to be cool. I'm really excited to see what goes on. And so they open up the whole scene with her in her apartment um with her parents of course and the parents are sort of having an argument over something i can't really recall exactly what they're arguing over but um kate bishop was listening through the wall and this uh i, I guess this was this way, their way of saying that she's she's very attentive or very sensitive to conflict and she's she's going to find it in herself to be the person that fixes a lot of problems. I think I thought that was a really cool way of, of uh, painting that picture for a character. And then as the scene progresses, it's um, you see the uh, big, what do you call it? Uh, the big alien thing. What's the word that um, we call that alien thing? Damn it. I can't think of the word right now, but the big alien slug thing that's flying around in the sky. <laughs> um, someone's going to, um, be thinking of it right now whoever's listening um, but she sees that across her room and then all this rumbling happens a big earthquake whatever and we know that's the battle of new york um and a big part of her apartment just explodes and she's yelling out for her mom and i'm sort of wondering where the hell's her mom gone like <laughs> her parents just kind of disappeared um, and she's like running around the house running around the apartment i should say and and manic panic obviously she's just she's she's a kid and she's panicking at all this like um eruption that's happening around her and then a big chunk of her building just explodes and she sees all of these explosions around her and it's just all chaos and can you imagine being a teenager watching that that kind of stuff that'd be crazy and i i think what i really appreciate is that we get a different perspective and this is something that i've always wanted to see i wanted to see the like what the public see and experience during an event like the battle of new york or or um the big <clears throat> the big battles that happened in uh winter soldier and civil war i've always wanted to see what it would look like from the perspective of the public and i think this is such a great way for us to be ushered into a new series by reminding us of running us of the terror that happened in new york while also showing us how kate bishop is going to respond to something like this and so the scene moves on and um it's that classic scene that we see at in the first avengers where the camera does this massive journey track around the city going from each avenger going from one avenger to another and hawkeye's moment is actually really cool you know exactly what the moment i'm talking about is he jumps off the building as he's getting attacked by um one of the alien one of the chitari he he gets attacked jumps off the building turns around and fires of fires an arrow i was gonna say fires a bow <laughs> i know so much about archery uh fires an arrow and the arrow he uses to it's it's you know it's got like a rope attached to it he uses it to attach onto a building and then flies into the building so we see that perspective in in the avengers 2012 from hawkeye's perspective but we don't see it from another perspective which is kate bishop and i thought that was just amazing i was like oh this is how she gets the influence of wanting to become the archer and 
by the way, this is like the first time that anybody has been vocal about them being a fan of Hawkeye, the only Avenger that never really gets any notoriety <laughs> or um, or acknowledgement that he, you know, he's he's like an Avenger. And this episode goes out of its way to show us that the general public really respect and appreciate and acknowledge Clint Barton for saving the city in 2012. Um, and we'll get into more of that later. But yeah, the, that opening sequence of how she sees Hawkeye, it's just such a great way to show us that this is how Haley becomes Hawkeye eventually. Um, so yeah, perfect scene. Gets into the Marvel credits and stuff. And I actually know the Marvel credits happened before that. <laughs> um, as the scene goes on, we find out that Haley's father passed away or died during the whole battle sequence, but I think that's all a lie. I think that's just a total ruse. I don't think he's actually dead. I think, no, okay, so here's my theory. I think that a Verify Amiga's character, what's her name? Um, something Bishop, obviously. Um, let me just scroll. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Elena Bishop. The mother of Kate Bishop, Verify Amiga, I reckon that she's a dirty hag and she's she's got a lot of skeletons in her closet. I think she actually kills or at least attempts to kill the father because there's they're a rich family, they're probably involved in a bunch of criminal activity. Not because they're rich, I'm not trying to say that, but just because that's kind of the way that some of these arcs or story arcs go in some of these Marvel movies and TV series, you know, there's always some kind of corruption in amongst families, communities, or members of those families and communities. So it was just, it's when I think about the episode again, I've actually seen the episode twice now. And the second time I was watching, I was like, well, it was so random how the father just disappeared or actually the father and mother disappeared during that whole destruction while she's running around the entire apartment yelling screaming mom dad where are you where are you and then um verify amiga shows up all of a sudden after that whole um after that whole uh scene of her watching um hawkeye she shows up right at the end of it and says come 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 we're gonna go we're gonna go and i was like where were you before that i was actually thinking that in the first time i saw it but then in the second episode i was like no I'm pretty damn sure that she's the one that killed, or at least attempt to kill, the father who, what's the father's name? Derek Bishop, played by Brian Diasi James. Um, so I think he's still alive. But also, actually, I know he's still alive because I'm looking at his IMDb, and uh, I don't know if um, you guys are going to think this is a spoiler, but I've spoiled it for myself. So I'm going to spoil it for you too, if you haven't found out. Um, on his IMDb, he's, he's in the show for five episodes, so he's not dead. <laughs> Um, but you know, I'm pretty sure you're smart enough to figure out, I don't think he died. Yeah. So, um, that scene finishes and they get into the funeral part and, um, it's such a sort of, uh, key moment for her to set up her character, uh, where, um, the verify maker is in ensuring her daughter that, um, I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to make sure that you're going to have, you know, the best, uh, supervision or whatever and make sure you take care of yourself she's you know she's giving some words of encouragement for when she grows up and then she said if there's anything you need just let me know and then she responds uh kate bishop responds by saying 
I need a bow or I need a bow and arrow or something like that. <laughs> so they get into the credits and I actually want to give a lot of credit to um, the artistic direction here. Um, is it artistic? Yeah, I guess it's, it's part of the artistic direction. Probably even comes from the showrunners themselves, so Reese Thomas and Jonathan, Jonathan Igler. Um, the whole credits run for this show is a massive homage to what's his name? Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Matthew something. <laughs> um, can you give me. Oh yeah, so. Um, it's a massive homage to the Matt Fraction and David Aja, Aja or Aja, yeah, um, to their comics, their most recent comic run, which came out in 2015, I believe it is. <coughs> um, yeah, so the whole, if, if you if you know the comic that I'm talking about, you know that this whole TV show is, is a massive homage to it, and the whole credit sequence, the artistic uh, direction in the credit sequence, is all, is exactly how... Um, uh, Matt Fraction designed the comic, which is really cool. That's really awesome to see. Um, and I think he was a consultant, or at least I think Matt Fraction, not David Ager, um, I think Matt Fraction was a consultant for the TV series. I'm not too sure, don't quote me on that. But um, yeah, anyway, so after the whole credit sequence, we, we get introduced to Clint Button, and Clint Button is with his kids. His three kids that we all see saw dusted in Endgame. Sad face. <laughs> and um, the kids' names are we got Ava, uh, Ava Barton, Nathaniel Barton, and we also have Laura Barton. Oh, actually, sorry, that's Linda Cardellini, the mother. Um, uh, Cooper Barton. Those are the kids. And we're, we basically get introduced to Clint Barton at a point in his life where he's still in retirement or at least he's gone back to retirement because he came out of retirement during civil war try to go back into retirement <coughs> I'm gonna take a drink oh, sorry about this um, oh, um, he gets out of retirement in civil war comes sorry Gets comes out of retirement from so into civil war because he has to help out his friends. Tries to go back into retirement, um, and we see the next time we see him is actually, uh, yeah, I guess not until um, Avengers Endgame. The at the very beginning of Avengers, Avengers Endgame, he's still in retirement at home, but then he loses his family um, from the snap. The biggest, like craziest, sad moment. What a way to start that movie, by the way. Strong intro um and and so now we're back at the hawkeye series and he's in new york having a holiday with his kids just before they go back home for christmas and he wants to they don't, they don't really explain why they're in new york um that was the other that was the thing that i was kind of confused about is like why are they in new york without uh laura laura button the mom i don't think they explain that at all like i've seen it twice and I think it's just assumed that they he just wanted to take the kids on holiday and go see the uh, Rogers, the Rogers the musical, which is so funny. I mean, this is how this is how they're paying um, respect and uh, homage to the Avengers by making a musical called Rogers the Musical, uh, <laughs> and it's it's a bit of a crack up. I can actually see Disney doing some kind of stage show in real life <laughs> or something like this. 
<laughs> That's not the way that uh, we want the Avengers to be portrayed. Um, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but whatever. Definitely not the way we want the Avengers to be portrayed, but it's just a funny moment in the TV series. And I'm assuming that's the reason why he goes to New York with the kids. I don't know. If you guys know, then maybe let me know in the comments on Instagram or whatever. But it's it's kind of unclear as to why he's actually there. Maybe we're going to find that out a little bit later, but I thought maybe they're going to explain that in the first and even in the second episode. But nonetheless, we're taking into the theater where they're watching the Rogers the Musical and um as you're kind of laughing or as i'm kind of laughing at, at how ridiculous this musical is um the kids are kind of like looking at each other a little feeling a little bit awkward but that sort of silent awkward um uh, enjoyment or sort of feel like feeling like there's an obligation for enjoyment and then it pans over to clint and he's kind of looking at this going what the hell did i get myself into why am i watching this and um what i really like about this part is that it taps like straight off straight off the bat it taps into his trauma it's actually it's a subtle not a subtle but it's a small piece in that scene that is such a huge part to tell us or remind us where he is in his life and that piece of trauma you know what i'm talking about the piece of trauma is him seeing his friend sacrifice her life as Natasha Romanoff. Um, that was a huge part in Endgame. And probably one of the like the most perfect um, partners to have as a way to solve the issue of trying to get one of the gems. Um, he's just reminded, like it, it goes into kind of like it kind of mutes out the uh, sound. And by the way, I actually thought the muting out muting out of the sound was to do with trying to hone in on what he's thinking about at that moment. But it is, but it's also um, it's also the fact that he's lost his hearing, which totally makes sense. As soon as they sh uh, they they show us that he's lost his he hearing, I was like, oh, that is perfect. They're paying off the fact that he's he's a human being. He's he's one of the most human people out of the entire Avengers squad because everybody's like pretty much godlike and has fancy technology, and he's actual human. And so I I really appreciated the fact that they showed. That all those battle sequences didn't come without consequences to his physicality and this came down to his his hearing um and as soon as that happened i was like oh this is great because i know exactly why he's lost his hearing he's been a part of way too many explosions and you know they they go on to oh actually i think i gave it a spoiler there for episode two because <laughs> they actually explained how he got his hearing uh, he lost his hearing in episode two my bad my bad my bad if you haven't seen episode two then my bad i'm sorry i actually spoiled that part i don't think it's a big deal but i'm still gonna apologize for that my bad so anyway um uh, they it's it's doing those two things it's honing in on what he's thinking and feeling at the time when he sees natasha romanoff being played on on stage um while also acknowledging that he's lost his his hearing um so i love that so when we're reminded where he is in his life, um, it sets up the story so well that uh, he's going to have to decide at some point, um, because we know that he's going to get himself into some kind of conflict. He's going to have to decide at some point um, what is the most important or how is he going to deal with being a part of his family or, or being, yeah, being a part of his family during Christmas, Christmas Day and dealing with whatever 
shit goes down in um, New York. Um, and I think this is what I love about Clint Button is that he's he's able to he's able to still live out his value for his family while also living out the value for his friends. Um, that's that's a huge understated characteristic of his of his character that it, we see a lot throughout the whole Infinity Saga, phase one to three. And and it, it just it also just reminds me of how happy I am to see him get his own TV series. Yes, this TV series is about pass, handing on the baton to uh, Kate Bishop, so she becomes uh, Hawkeye and maybe a part of the Young Avengers. We don't know. That's not been announced yet. But it seems like Marvel is gearing up towards bringing the Young Avengers in, which would be really cool. Um, but yeah, I'm just so happy that we get to get to see Clint Button's story unfold much more. We peel back more of the layers of what he's struggling with and how he's going to overcome it. And um, passing on that baton to Kate Bishop. So yeah, it's just great to see how we're introduced to Clint at that very moment and remind us of where he's at in his life. Um, <clears throat> as the episode goes on, he runs into Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop's um, whole thing in this episode is about establishing who she is, or partly of who she is, and how or how she became Kate Bishop at that very moment, at the 22-year-old kind of thing. Um, and how she's going to get involved in this sort of criminal underworld that she doesn't realize is a criminal underworld all she really wants to do is just um, fight crime i suppose <laughs> and this episode plays out in a way that it's doing all those things it's hitting all those cylinders by uh showing us that there is some real world issues happening in the underground sort of very wealthy very rich uh world um and uh how she's going to have a play in trying to absolve all these um all the criminal activity but it's it's really cool like i think i, I think um the other characters that are involved in this episode like i.e the uh tracksuit mafia um that's they're also called the tracksuit mafia in the comics um or actually i think there's a different a slightly different name but they do have the, the word tracksuit mafia uh, those characters in this episode, I mean, like they're okay. They're not the most like my most uh, favorited characters at all. Um, but um, it's it's such a small introduction to some of their characters. And in the comics, they they always say bro, bro, and they definitely do that in this episode. And I thought, wow, these guys are just really hitting hard with uh, being very accurate or comic accurate, I should say. Um. And we find out that the, the, there's an auction that's happening at this like gala or something, some rich gala where a lot of rich people are going to. I'm not sure exactly what the gala was. I can't remember. I wasn't paying that much attention to the gala, but um, uh, it was a way for us to get introduced to other characters that are going to be a part of this TV shows, series. And um, in the gala, there is an auction or an illegal auction happening underneath. And so Kate Bishop finds herself in that auction. How does she even get there? I actually can't remember how she gets to the auction, but um, anyway, she finds herself in the auction and she's walking around pretending to be a waiter. And she has that funny kind of interaction with the other waiter. The waiter's like, who are you? And then she's like, 
I'm supposed to be taking the shift. <laughs> and, then, and he's not really convinced, but then she does a great job at convincing him that, no, I'm on the shift and you've done a very good job. Um, <laughs> that whole little scene was actually very, well, very cool. Um, I think just Hayley Steinfeld is just an amazing actress. She's got so much talent. Her performance as Kate Bishop is crystal perfect. And I couldn't think of anyone else better to be playing this role. It's like straight out of the comic and it's, um, I mean, that's, that's one compliment, but it's just the fact that she's amazing on screen. And I really, like, I really can't wait to see what she does with the character in future movies. Cause we know that Kate Bishop is going to fit, like she's going to end up in some kind of movie. Right. Um, and I'm just excited to see how she carries herself. She definitely has that confidence to be a leader, which I want to talk more about in episode two. Um, uh, episode two spoiler. Uh, yeah, so she's in this auction and she's walking around trying to sniff out what's happening, what's actually happening here. And then we find out that they're auctioning the Ronin suit. Now, this is the first time that they've mentioned the name Ronin. We all know, uh, we as in the whole fan community, we all we all knew that what the Hawkeye that we saw in Avengers Endgame is a character called ronin and ronin in the comics it's like he's this really violent like we're talking serious r18 violence <laughs> hawkeye becomes this character called ronin and he just goes around becoming this like dark vigilante um literally killing bad people that's not what avengers do they don't intentionally kill bad people they they fight battles and the consequences that bad people die it's a difference right but Ronan, the character, he actively goes on duty to kill bad people. And we saw that in Avengers Endgame. When we saw him in his costume with his sword. We're like, oh yeah, that's that's Ronan. <laughs> that's that's definitely Ronan. And so they don't mention that name at all in Avengers Endgame. Not that they needed to. Um, it's not until we come to this episode that um, they mention the name Ronan. So I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. And so I'm wondering, how did they even come up with that name, Ronan, in the MCU? They don't explain that in this episode. They don't explain, like, how the name Ronan came about. It's almost like as if everybody just knew this character was called Ronan. <laughs> and so what's on auction is the Ronan costume and the Ronan sword. And um, that was kind of crazy. I was like, oh, wow, this whole auction is gearing up to be a bunch of artifacts or objects or items that is retrieved. They say it's retrieved from the Avengers, um, uh, what, uh, the Avengers destruction lot or something like that. You know, when the Avengers compound blew up, they all retrieved, obviously retrieved <laughs> illegally. So stole a lot of stuff from the wreckage in the Avengers lot um and the ronin suit was one of them so i guess the funny thing is like I, I i'm sort of thinking has anybody not picked up the fact that you got the ronin suit from the avengers lot and how and like they as the episode go or as the scene goes on oh sorry the the scene that follows is um the whole the whole news network is reporting the fact that ronin is probably back Actually, so, so I guess on one hand, it's only the underground world, the underground illegal world of rich people um, buying and auctioning certain things. Maybe they're the only ones that know that Ronin suit came from the Avengers wreckage. But then I'm kind of thinking, 
why wouldn't they just go and attack the Avengers? I don't know. Anyway, so I just thought it was an interesting observation is that they know that it's from the Avengers and uh, apparently there's a lot of war criminals, not war, there's just a lot of criminals and uh, a whole mafia looking for Ronan because of what Ronan done during that whole blip era. That whole blip era was five years, as, as some of you may not remember. Um, yeah, so um, I thought that was interesting. And so they're trying to auction off this this costume and then there's a big explosion that happens and the tracksuit mafia show up. And then Haley, uh, Kate Bishop, she finds an opportunity to pounce at the Ronin suit, puts it on and ends up becoming this like vigilante. Um, she's obviously not as, as violent or as skilled as Hawkeye, but she just takes on the the responsibility of just taking out these bad guys and she wears the Ronin suit, runs across the street, tries to save the the pizza dog, which is also straight out of the comics. Um, because that's just a dog that she just wanted to, to naturally adopt. Um, so she tries to save the pizza dog and and everybody's getting this on camera or like everybody's getting on their phone and then um, it immediately gets uploaded to um, the news network and then they're reporting this whole thing and when this is when this is getting reported this is when Clint sees this on television in his own hotel room with his uh, with his kids and when he sees that um, he immediately gets flashbacks of of him being Ronan and and then I was thinking, oh, great. This is how he is going to meet Kate Bishop. What a perfect way to set that up. Because I was, I was wondering throughout the whole episode, I was like, how are they going to establish that Clint Button is eventually going to become the mentor of Kate Bishop? Um, I thought that was such a great way of, of them meeting each other because he knows that, that how much, how, how dangerous that Ronin suit is and how much he needs to actually get it off this person's hand. He doesn't realize it's, it's, a, it's a girl, especially a young girl. And he just follows her, and as he follows her, he see she see, he sees her uh, get into an altercation with the tracksuit mafia because the tracksuit mafia end up um, cornering her, and they sandwich her, and they basically just try and jump her um, because um, turns out that Ronan has had a lot of impact and a lot of negative effects on the. Uh, tracksuit mafia so they think this is the actual ronin even though it's not um she 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 holds her own i think she holds up like a pretty good fight and um um she's trying to escape after she punches a couple of the guys she tries to escape and then um she gets into a car that's weirdly open like that just never really happens in new york <laughs> i'm assuming it's just weird that one car is just randomly open but anyway i'm just gonna let that fly and she gets into the car that they're all trying to punch the car trying to punch the windscreen and everything and then eventually break the side side window and at that point that's when all the all the members of the traffic mafia start falling over one by one and then i'm like oh okay this is when clint barton shows up and sure enough it's him um he comes in saves her from the whole battle thing takes her into the alleyway and gets gets him or gets her to reveal herself and then he's like no way and then she freaks out because she's a massive fan of clint button aka hawkeye and she's like and, and like he really i just love the whole uh love the whole sort of clash of uh emotions there um he's a he says 
oh give me a break or something like that because you know it's a it's a young girl and then she's like oh my gosh you're hawkeye oh my gosh and she just she she gets into the whole fangirlism <laughs> moment which is such a it's such a meta commentary on us as fans when we're watching any of the mcu properties while also you know her being an actual fan of him as orkai and i and they had this really cool moment together um very conflicting but fun cool moment together and then the episode finishes and so <coughs> straight from like from start to finish it was 49 minutes or around about something like that it it flew by i thought the whole episode was like 10 minutes and then I really enjoyed this introduction. It wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. It was good. It was not just good, it was great. I really enjoyed it. I had a good time. I think I've seen a lot of people say that the first episode is not as good as the second one. And although I'm inclined to um, to agree to that, uh, I don't think it's as... Um, I don't think it's getting the credit that I think it deserves. Um, like people are giving it some good ratings, but people are saying that it's extraordinarily, sorry, episode two is extraordinarily better than episode one, which I don't really agree with. I think episode two is good, and I do think it is a better episode than episode one, but I just really love the fact that they managed to establish the characters. They managed to give us some backstory of Kate Bishop, while not dwelling on it too much they they gave us enough to make make us think that oh man i really want to learn more about her story and how she's going to become this potential hawkeye or not potential but become hawkeye they gave us enough you know, they didn't dwell on her backstory too much they they gave us some breadcrumbs we ate those breadcrumbs and we're like all right game on let's go where we're gonna where we're gonna take this tv series and they also done they also established uh clint button and where he's at and how he's going to deal with this new problem newfound problem that keeps bringing him out of retirement the poor guy is tired and he is he's exhausted right he's he's traumatized all he wants to do is just spend time with his family so um i think um the way that they crafted this episode was perfect i don't think they needed to do much I'd say that the only weaknesses in this episode would be that the Tracksuit Mafia didn't really care about their introductions. They all seemed like very corny, cliche, bad guy villains. Um, I hope that improves throughout the show. Um, but yeah, I mean, the acting was pretty subpar. <laughs> like, <laughs> to me, they were like the worst performers out of the whole show. Um, but everyone else is great. Like, Vera Farmiga, like, when is she not great? She is an astounding actress, and I really want to see her get an Oscar award. Um, she really deserves it because anything she does, anything she touches, just she's perfect at it. It's funny, I was watching somebody's uh, reaction to the episode, and all they could think about was very Farmiga's character in The Conjuring. It's like, all I think, all I see is her just petrified and scared. <laughs> if you've seen The Conjuring, then you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, she's great in this. <coughs> oh sorry excuse me um tony dalton um he plays a character called jack du duque i think that's how you pronounce it in the series yeah jack duque and 
Man, the moment this guy shows up, the first couple of lines he says were like, okay, I already hate this dude. I know this guy's going to become the villain. And if you know anything about the, the comic series, then you know that he plays uh, Jack Duque is actually a character called the Swordsman, who isn't a straight up bad guy. He is a bad guy for many of the comic issues that he's in, but he's also a vigilante. He also fights bad guys. So it's it's a it's a little ambiguous what side he's on um i should say it's like he probably has more ambiguity there but um yeah it's unsure on whether he's going to become the main villain um actually the main villain of the whole series is a deaf character called echo um she's also the main villain in the main comic series so they're going with that whole comic uh alignment which is really cool and the character Echo is deaf in the comics, and they also got a deaf actress to play Echo, which is really cool. But see, so there are some weaknesses in this episode, but not not so much to the point where it's it's nowhere near as good as episode two. No way, I don't think that. I think it's a solid episode, and I'm really glad that they started off um, with a strong start, very confident in their series, and I'd probably give this uh, hmm probably give it an 8 out of 10 a solid 8 out of 10 not not a weak 8 out of 10 a solid 8 out of 10 and when i do episode 2 when i reviewed episode 2 i'm going to drop that one tomorrow um i'm gonna go into far more mcu stuff there's a bunch of theories that i have and i'm pretty excited to share some of these theories um so make sure you tune in make sure you hit that notification uh for the next episode actually for all my episodes coming up because i love and appreciate your support but yeah that brings me to the end of this uh tv series hawkeye tv series disney plus make sure you see it um and i should probably also add that this is the sixth i believe uh, yes it is the sixth tv show that is a part of the mcu that is the marvel cinematic universe the first one was wandavision second one was falcon and the winter soldier the third one was Loki. The fourth one was What If. And then, okay, it's the fifth one. Why did I say six? <laughs> the fifth one is Hawkeye. Um, so if you haven't caught up with the other TV series, then I, I wouldn't say it's highly necessary for you to watch the other TV series, but it pays off in the long run. If you want to watch MCU content and you want to be involved with MCU content, then it really pays to just make sure you're caught up with all the movies, all the TV series. It's pretty important. If you want to go that deep, if you want to be a part of this whole kind of pop culture MCU community, <laughs> then you need to have a badge of honor like all of us. <laughs> and you need to watch all of them. You don't need to, you know, sort of get deep diving go nerdy about this stuff, but um, it does help that if you do want to follow the entire story arcs or let's say the book arcs because the first uh the first book is what kim feige calls to be the infinity saga so it's a it's a end-to-end -end book so to speak phase one phase two phase three and now we're in phase four or five which is everything post avengers endgame or more accurately is everything post far from home um but that book came to an end and so now we're onto a new book which by the way we haven't actually um being announced or it hasn't been announced that there is uh, there is a name for this new saga 
Um, I I theorized a while ago that the saga is probably going to be called the Celestial Saga because maybe it's sort of gearing up to be that <coughs> the Celestials are sort of the big bad Thanos equivalents, I guess, of the next few phases, phase four or five and maybe six. Right now, we've only got phase four and five established. Um, oh, actually, maybe just phase four. I don't think phase, I think I'm only saying phase five because it just seems like it would have to leak over into phase five because the amount of the amount of TV series and movies I've already announced is chock. It's huge. It is jam packed. And I can't imagine that this is all under one phase. I'm pretty sure it's phase four and five. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, going back to what I was saying, it, it does pay off to see all of them. But that being said, if you just want to see Hawkeye on its own, it's a fun, enjoyable TV series. A lot of it's probably not going to make much sense, especially with the characters themselves. Actually, with uh, Kate Bishop, not so much, because you're learning. We're all learning about it for the first time. But um, but you know the backstory there is that she um, she's affiliated or let's say associated with the events that happened in Phase One or the end of Phase One. That's Avengers 2012. So there's a little bit of relevance for you to know the stuff in phase one and how that has affected the um the current state of events in phase four and five especially in this tv series but it's not all that necessary for you to know but with clint button you need to know where he came from you need to know why he's in this current state and so Anyway, I'm not going to harp on more about that. I could just go on and on about why you should watch all the MCU content. But um, before I end this episode, I, I do want to say that I'm going to do a full-on nerdy, nerdy episode. It might be a couple of episodes, but I'm thinking I'm just going to do it all in one. It's probably going to be about three hours long. It's going to be a huge one. And I really hope you guys are going to be there to join me. Um, this is going to be an episode covering everything that we have seen in episode in phase four thus far and this episode is going to drop before spider-man no way home okay and the reason why i want to do that is because spider-man no way home is one of marvel's biggest properties if not the biggest not the biggest property but it's it's a very important piece of property for marvel it's huge and if you have known if you've had any um if you've had any exposure to what's like all the rumors and all the stories and you know all the hype that's going around spider-man spider-man no way home then you know that it's it's if you want to catch up the episode that i want to do covering phase four up until the movie is pretty important so make sure you check that out i'm probably going to drop it in a week or so because spider-man no way home is coming out on the 17th or 16th of december Anyway, so in the next like two or so weeks, Spider-Man is coming out. So I want to make sure I get that episode out. I'm probably going to call it something like Phase 4 so far. I don't know. <laughs> something like that. You'll, you'll, you'll know exactly which episode it is. But I'm going to go ahead and bring this episode to a close. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. It really helps the channel. And um, I hope that I maybe opened up your perspective a little bit more, change your mind on a few things on this episode, uh, maybe change your mind on the MCU itself. Who knows? Um, but, you know, we're all here because we share a love of storytelling for the big screen. So make sure you check out my socials. My Instagram is at legit cool podcast. My Facebook is legit cool movies and sometimes TV series reviews. 
I'm River Billy, and I will catch you in the next episode of Legit Cool. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>